When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got football in just a little more than 10 minutes from now. Thursday night football headed your way. Vikings, Eagles, we will keep you updated on all of the action when that game kicks off. And we're also going to give you some advice on the real kind of action that we're all here for, that being the betting action. So let's bring in some help. ESPN Sports betting analyst and daily wager contributor Anita Marks joining us here on Amber and Ian. Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian tonight. And Anita, thanks as always for your time. Let's talk about the injuries to this Eagles team. Kenneth Gainwell, he is out. Uh, He was uh, important to this team there in week one in a very close win for the Eagles. How does this affect things from a betting perspective? Um, pertaining to Gainwell, I, I like Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown tonight, guys. Listen, as we know, he scored 13 rushing touchdowns last season. In week two last season against the Minnesota Vikings, he rushed for two. And with Gainwell out, granted, yeah, I know they've got you know DeAndre Swift who comes over from the Lions, and they have Scott in that backfield, Boston Scott. But I truly believe this is an Eagles team. They will be in the red zone quite frequently tonight. And I, I, I just have a feeling like this is the night that they're going to utilize because Gainwell's not there. I think they're going to utilize Jalen Hurts to run the football into the end zone tonight. So and pertaining to Gaines, Gainwell being out, I, I like a, a Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm more worried about the injuries to the defensive side for the Eagles, right? Like, Bradbury's out. Blankenship is out. So their secondary takes a huge hit. And N'Kobe Dean now has landed on IR. Fletcher Cox is dealing with a rib issue. But since they are depleted in the secondary, and we saw Kirk Cousins in this Minnesota Vikings team really take it, 85% of their yards were through the air. Watch out. I, I think this might be a barn burner tonight, guys. Well, with all those defensive injuries you just listed for the Eagles, and again, Kirk Cousins, he threw for over 300 yards last week. They turned the ball over, so they didn't put up a ton of points. But are there any Vikings wide receiver player props you might like for tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I, and, and just full disclosure, I'm not sold on a side here. If, if I could have gotten the, the, the Minnesota Vikings plus 7.5, and I didn't have to lay $150, $152 per $100 I get back to do it, that would be the side I'm on. But this line has dropped tremendously, right? So um, last I checked, it was minus six. I love it at minus, at, at, at minus seven and a half, which, of course, opposite side. The Vikings getting seven and a half. But it, it hasn't been there in quite a while. So I'm going to hit this game with a lot of prop bets. Probably my favorite prop bet is Kirk Cousins over 37 and a half passing attempts again the the way that the injuries are for the eagles and the way that the minnesota vikings as we saw week one play offense boy this aligns so properly in, in the weather conditions guys it's beautiful up here in in the northeast right now so weather conditions are going to be perfect and so i, I think this is really going to work out well for kirk cousins i like everything over passing attempts passing yards and I think T.J. Hawkinson 
is going to be the recipient of a lot of those passes. We saw him, of course, he put up eight receptions for almost 100 yards. And the fact that N'Kobe Dean is out, it's going to open up the center of the field for TJ Hawkinson. So that would be the pass catcher that I would target over receptions at five and a half or four and a half, I should say, and over receiving yards at 48 and a half. That's who I would, I would target in the prop betting market. ESPN Sports betting analyst Anita Marks joining us here on Amber and Ian with Gabe Knightzel filling in for Ian tonight. What else do you like tonight, Anita? What else have we missed? So in, in regard to the Eagles, this is really interesting. Brian Flores now is the defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings, okay? He is blitz happy. He loves the blitz. He loves to bring the kitchen sink. And when that happens, both A.J. Brown and Dallas, Dallas Goddard are the ones that are peppered with targets. So a blitz-happy defense target share is over 35%. And then you've got tight end Dallas Goddard, again, going up against a defense that blitzes a lot. His target share is 26%. Don't forget Dallas Goddard was non-existent in week one. I think this is the get-right game for him in the stat category. So I like over 46.5 receiving yards for Goddard tonight. I like over 5.5 receptions for A.J. Brown. I think they're going to be really big in the passing offense for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles tonight. Anita, looking elsewhere in the NFL, after the big injury on Monday night to Aaron Rodgers, they've got a tough game coming up against the Cowboys what has Rogers' injury done to the line for that game on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, it's pretty insane, right? So now you could get the Jets at plus nine and a half. And after the spanking we saw the Dallas Cowboys put on the Giants, no surprise there. And surprising to me, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but like I think I think the Jets are doing everybody else on that roster a disservice by not at least exploring some other quarterbacks that I think are way better than Zach Wilson out there because this is a Jets team that is so good on both sides of the ball. You're going to roll with Zach Wilson the rest of the season. Guys, I'm just not buying it. This team is too good to put all your faith in Zach Wilson when he is just god-awful. We saw the Dallas Cowboys get after uh, Daniel Jones last week. This is a Jets offensive line. They have injuries to both their tackles, Beckton and Brown. So I think they're going – I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to get after Zach Wilson. I think both these defenses are so good. I love the under here. I think the under here – and it's a low number. It's 38 and a half. But I mean, I, I don't see Zach Wilson putting up more than 10 points if he can. And also, as we know, this Jets defense is really good. They get Carl Lawson back. It'll be his season debut. So I, I think the under, to me, is the play here in this Jets game at 38 and a half, guys. I think that line went from something and needed a, from like two and a half to nine and a half in that Jets-Cowboys matchup. <laughs> is, there a, is there another matchup here in week two where you feel like the market uh, maybe overreacted from the results there in week one? Yeah, I, and I know we're sitting here talking a lot about these New York teams, but for me it's the Giants. Guys, you know, it was a primetime game. I know a lot of people watched. I just felt it was a series of unfortunate events that took place for the G-men, right? Like the blocked field goal that was returned 58 yards for a touchdown, and then the pick six. All of a sudden, the Giants are like, oh, my gosh, we're down 14 points. They abandoned the run. 
I think they lost their way. It was it was it was like a wild train that you just couldn't bring back to the track. And Dallas has so much athleticism and so much speed. It was like the Giants just could not recover, and everything they did was wrong. So I just don't think the Giants are as bad as we saw in Week One, where they lost to Dallas forty to nothing. Uh, but on the opposite side, they're going up against the, Car- the, the Arizona Cardinals, who I hate to say it are really that bad, right? Um, And also, this has to be the get-right game for Brian Dable and the Giants because in week three, guys, they take on the 49ers in San Francisco. So you don't want to start the season 0-3. You know, I think the best-case scenario for them, obviously, is 2-1. Realistically, I think it's 1-2. This is a must-win game for Brian Dable and the Giants, and and, and I think they're going to rebound quite handsomely. I'll, I'll lay the five. I'll lay the five and a half with the Giants. You can watch her on the Daily Wager. ESPN sports betting analyst Anita Marks. Thanks once again, Anita. Anytime, guys. Enjoy the game tonight. We absolutely will. That game kicking off again. Vikings-Eagles kicks off in, in just a few minutes from now. When it kicks off, we will keep you updated on all of the action here on Amber and Ian. Gabe Knights will fill in for Ian tonight. Coming up next, we roll along. Hopefully, we'll have some actual football to talk about. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. See Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Nightsell filling in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. You can find him at GNightsell16. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. Plus, you can always join the conversation here on ESPN Radio. Triple eight, say ESPN. 888-729-3776. We are gearing up for Thursday night football and all things NFL for some help. With all things NFL, we turn to the phone line where we find ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum. And Mike, as always, thanks for joining the show. What are you looking to see from the Philadelphia Eagles tonight? They won in week one, Mike, but it was a close one. Yeah, good to be with you guys. Uh, Consistency in the passing game. Uh, Parts of the Eagles look really good. Parts of them look sluggish. And, you know, as Nick Sirianni said after the game, 
you could put that on him because of the limited reps they had in the preseason. And that's certainly, they played that way. It didn't look good, and I expect that to look a lot better tonight. The Vikings are start are staring 0-2 in the face tonight as they are the underdogs. If things continue to go south for them, given that they haven't really shown a lot of interest in retaining Kirk Cousins, and I know there's a couple hurdles they would have to clear, Mike, should they consider trading Kirk Cousins this season? You know, the irony is they were on the other end of that conversation a couple of years ago when Teddy Bridgewater got hurt unexpectedly and they traded a lot to get Sam Bradford from the Eagles, and that accelerated the Carson Wentz uh, history. So um, it could, you know, certainly if they're going to go into a rebuild, they moved on from Dalvin Cook. Um, but, you know, we're, we're only in week two here, so we're, we're at least a couple of weeks away from that conversation. Oh, I know. But Tannenbaum, you know how this works. We're going to have it anyways here on ESPN Radio. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider joining us here on Amber and Ian. So the Vikings, they're staring 0-2 in the face. But this is a 13-win team from last season. And a lot of people was writing off what they did last season, frankly, the entire way through them doing it. Is there any chance that we're underrating the Vikings again this season and that they are actually better than that performance that we saw against Tampa Bay? Yeah, they should be. Um, although, I think they're going to miss Dalvin Cook more than they think. Um, I was really disappointed by Alex Madison, uh, their run game in particular. Now they're going on the road against the Eagle defense. That's really good without Bradbury. So um, tonight's a consequential game for them, and I think they have to get the run game going. Going back out east to the, the, the New York Jets, uh, after losing Aaron Rodgers, clearly their plan was for Zach Wilson. All right, we're going to hit the reset button here. You're going to get a couple of years to learn behind Aaron Rodgers, and then you'll get your chance again. Well, four snaps in, he ended up getting that opportunity again. They won the game on Monday, but what's the best-case scenario for Zach Wilson now that he's QB1 for the Jets? This one's easy for me. Don't turn the ball over, you know. If I'm Robert Sala, I'm saying, hey, if we're going to lose, Dak Prescott's got to go beat our good defense. We're not going to turn the ball over. We're not going to give him a, uh, a short field. And we're going to make sure that um, we are going to keep our defense on the field as long as possible. And to me, anything else would be irresponsible of the Jets. So I hope Zach Wilson doesn't turn the ball over, and it should be a good game. That's a tall ask against that Cowboys defense, especially considering what they looked like in week one. ESPN NFL front office insider Mike Tannenbaum joining us here on Amber and Ian. Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian tonight. Are you a proponent, Mike? I'm sure you've talked about it extensively on all the other shows that you're on all the time. I haven't heard much of it yet. Are you a proponent of the Jets uh, bringing in somebody to not just back up Zach Wilson, but to replace Zach Wilson right now? Yeah, and here's why. And so are the Jets, by the way. Like, if they believed in, in Zach Wilson, guys, they, Aaron Rodgers, they give up two twos and $39 million. So let's not confuse anything here. They, they didn't believe in Zach Wilson. This was a team a year ago that their skill players were wearing T-shirts about Mike White. So the verb to me, Amber, is I'm scouring for a replacement uh, for, for Zach Wilson. And I have a really good team, and I'm not going to squander it because I drafted a guy and – he clearly hasn't been good enough. So I'm doing everything I can within reason to add a quarterback as soon as possible. One of the things I know, Mike, you were a proponent of, and I heard you talk about during the offseason, was the Bears should trade should trade Justin Fields and draft Bryce Young, keep that number one overall pick. Obviously, they didn't do that. Fields and the Bears really struggled 
uh, on Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. How concerned should Chicago be about Justin Fields and his development? Yeah, I mean, it's one game. Um, Justin Fields is a very talented guy. I, I did make that point repeatedly. I think, candidly, a little bit got misconstrued. It was more about being a big believer in Bryce Young than against, you know, Justin Fields. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, I thought he would have played better. I think D.J. Moore is a material upgrade that should really make him a better quarterback. So if we're having this conversation in six weeks, guys, you know, that's a different conversation. But I think, I think there's more in Justin Fields than what he showed on opening day. Tannenbaum, the Jets, we were talking about how Zach Wilson needs to just step up and not turn over the football, and the expectations aren't there for this team, but this team is sitting at 1-0, and and largely because Josh Allen decided to throw the football to more Jets receivers than it caught any footballs from Aaron Rodgers in his entire Jets career, at least so far. What do you make of Josh Allen's issues here with all of these turnovers? Really disappointed, really disappointed in him. And surprised Kaylee by Sean McDermott, who I think is an outstanding coach. At some point, they had to realize that, hey, guess what? We can't lose this game if we don't turn the ball over, and we're not playing Aaron Rodgers. You know, I think we all went into the game thinking, like, wow, we're going to see a heavyweight fight here. You know, Josh Allen against Aaron Rodgers. This is going to be phenomenal. And Josh Allen has to understand that, hey, maybe tonight's not my night. We saw Joe Burrow struggle. We saw Jalen Hurts struggle. You know, these quarterbacks don't always get off to a great start. And look, let's go under center and let's run the ball here and let's make Zach Wilson beat us. So I was surprised by the play calling and certainly the execution and decision-making of Josh Allen. Given how tight the AFC is and given how tight that AFC East could be, should the Bills be worried about a team like the Miami Dolphins coming and ending their streak of consecutive NF, or excuse me, AFC East championships? Yeah, there's no question the biggest winner over the weekend was Miami. First of all, they got a, a really good win on the road against what I think will be a good Charger team. Um, obviously, the Bills lost, and you know Aaron Rodgers is gone for the year, and so did the Patriots lose. I mean, that's if, I'm, if you're a Miami Dolphin fan, I can't imagine a better situation. No one's rooting for injuries, and obviously, if you're a fan of football, it's awful to see what happened to Aaron Rodgers. But, boy, that was a great weekend for Miami. Yes, it was. Mike Tannenbaum, <laughs> yes, it was. ESPN NFL front office insider, Mike Tannenbaum. Thanks, Tannenbaum. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's all the the gloating I can do, right? Because, yes, he has a point. You feel bad gloating after a, a major injury, especially to a dude that it could – I mean, it, I just I don't know if we're talking about it enough that that could be the end of the Hall of Fame career that we've seen from Aaron Rodgers because coming back from that injury at 40 years old, Gabe, is no easy task. So no one's rooting for that. No one was rooting for things to end that way. Even somebody like me who's very annoyed by Aaron Rodgers lately <laughs> because of how much we've had to talk about him sure. and just sort of like how he's become here over the last couple of years. No one wanted that result. I, but... I, I feel but as advantage Dolphins. I oh, mean, that's sure. the reality. Absolutely. I, I just feel as like sports fans in general, like we've almost become numb to injuries. Like, oh, somebody's out with an ACL. Oh, not a problem. They'll be back. You know, it'll be mm-hmm. 12 months. They'll be back. Not a problem. Oh, someone's got a blow in Achilles. Yeah, no, they'll be back. And that is such a devastating injury, mm-hmm. an Achilles injury. And, and hearing people who have had to go through different Achilles injuries will tell you as much in how tender that area is and how, you know, just grueling that comeback process is. I, Aaron Rodgers is going to do everything he can, I believe, to try to get his way back. 
But that doesn't mean it's a guarantee that he's going to play another down of football because that's how tough that injury is. I heard Rob Ninkovich talking about where it depends where it pops and if you're wrapping like wire around, like if it pops in the middle, you're wrapping wire around it to fix it and all this. I'm like, what? Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds gruesome. It sounds terrible at any age particularly coming back from that at 40. It's not going to be easy. I, I think I was like 10 years old when I found out what happens when you like blow your Achilles and the way it like rolls up the back of your leg. Which is every- why your calf does that thing, right? Yeah. With the, the, yes, with you, you could have found it if you were searching for it on social media. It's the one injury, Amber, that like it just grosses me out. Like just freaks me out. Like thinking about like your Achilles snapping and like rolling up the back of your leg. Like, like, oh, no, I, I can't deal it. I now, can't that one, it. I've heard that it feels like you got kicked in the back of your leg. Yes. And I, I think when it initially happens, like, it's not the most painful. It, it's not, I'm not sure it's particularly that painful, which is why Aaron Rodgers initially, I think, tried to get up. And, and so it just, it feels like, from what I understand, that's it, like, if you were ever playing a sport and you feel like somebody just kicked the heck out of you from behind, but nobody's around you, that's a problem. Or nobody's yeah. there to kick you, that's a problem, and that's an Achilles. Yeah, he, and that's he, what athletes will tell you. He looked like he knew it right away, too. After right. he had, like, he knew something was up because he kind of threw the football, and then when he went down for the second time, you know, because, he, he, like you said, he tried to get up. I think mm-hmm. he knew. I think he knew at that point, like, and it, like you said, he didn't look like he was in tremendous pain. It was just one of those things, like, I know exactly what happened. I've heard about this before. This is clearly what just happened to me i can't right. believe this happened four plays in yeah you probably felt the kick you probably you can't put any weight on your toes there's a lot of signs all professional athletes know the signs and i'm sure that he knew right away that the entire season for him was over this podcast is proud to be supported by jets pizza the number one pick in detroit style pizza why it's simple Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. In the midst of live NFL action, you just heard your update from Kevin Winter. We will also keep you updated here on Amber and Ian. Amber and Ian presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Gabe Neitzel filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. You can find Gabe on social at gneitzel16. That is N-I-N-E-I. I after E, oh, you know, no. the rare yeah. I after E. Yeah, German, the whole German thing, yeah. Schnitzel, Neitzel, <laughs> I can see that. I think that would have been my guess if you'd asked me. Don't shake your head at me, James. You what know I'm right. At G Neitzel 16. At it's Amber written on your w screen. Sports. Spelling with Amber and Ian. Because when I just say to America, find him on social media, at G Neitzel, do you think people are, you know, at G Neitzel 16, find him. I don't know if people know how to spell that. Yeah, but the, the spelling is right there, too. It's Line. on your screen. Well, that's why. Well, yeah, I did. I did right. mess that up. There's also football on my screen. So I'm juggling multiple things here. And right now, I'm going to juggle big deal, not a big deal. It's making headlines. Extra, extra, read all about it. But is it a big deal or not a big deal with Amber and Ian? And Gabe. And James Steele. Yeah, you got to introduce me or else I won't talk. 
That's how you Now, you just talked. She didn't introduce you she and you had to jump James in. She did Steele. She did. She said my name. I'm like, uh, but, I'm like but, Beetlejuice. But you can she spell it? Three times. Yeah. <laughs> we, we'll see, I guess. Maybe that's what. Uh, first one, big deal, not a big deal. Amber can't spell. Okay, let's move on. Uh, not a big deal. There's Everybody a, knows me knows that. There's a report that Matthew Stafford uh, may be part of season two quarterback on Netflix. Amber, big deal, not a big deal. Big deal. It's a big deal because his wife said on her podcast, I think just a matter of weeks ago, that they were not going to do that show, that he was passing on it, that he didn't want the cameras around the locker room, that this hasn't traditionally been their cup of tea. So I don't know what the change was. I do wonder, because there's a whole list, Gabe, of quarterbacks that have turned down this show. Some of them have admitted to it in press conferences. I know Jalen Hurts said he turned it down. Tua Tungvaloa said he turned it down. There's been a lot of them that have said that they turned it down. Now, I don't know if that was just for season one or if these guys are also turning it down in large numbers for season two. Because frankly, if they watched season one, I would imagine a lot of these guys might have a change of heart because season one ended up being so cool. I thought the coolest thing was the respect that you gain for these guys, seeing how hard it is to be a quarterback in the NFL and how academic it is. That's what really that show drove home for me, which I already knew. But just watching Kirk Cousins with his wife go through all of the play calls and just study day after day and Marcus Mariota and the same thing. And and the dynamic there of the families and how involved the wives are in the in this, that you're signing up for that, how much it affects the families as well. Seeing all of that was super cool and really gives you a look into just how difficult, frankly, their jobs are. Yeah, this is a big deal, mostly because they're struggling to find three quarterbacks to build season two around. So to have a Matthew Stafford, a Super Bowl champion, you know, I'm, I'm surprised more guys aren't signing up for it. Because once you see, as you mentioned, how good of a job Netflix did with this thing, and if you're a younger quarterback, you think this would be a tremendous opportunity for you to put yourself out there, have an opportunity, they're, they're not going to make you look bad. Like Marcus Mariota had a very bad season last year, and they still made him relatable, still made him look good in this in this presentation on quarterback. I'm, I'm surprised young quarterbacks aren't going, hey, this is a good way for me to get out there and showcase my personality for the potential of more marketing deals, more money in your pocket. Use this thing to your advantage. I think this is a big deal for Matthew Stafford just because they need quarterbacks for season two. The Eagles just stripped the ball from Minnesota, by the way, in Thursday night football. Stripped the ball from Powell. He fumbles the ball. The Eagles recover. This game is sloppy so far. Both of these teams looking sloppy, as sloppy as they did in week one so far here in week two. Eagles up on the Vikings three zip. Go ahead, James. Uh, Buffalo Bills wide receiver Stephon Diggs was critical of comments a team-employed reporter made about him, calling them, quote, hurtful and insulting to his character in a series of social media posts on Thursday. The initial comments made by reporter Matty Glab were picked up on a hot mic ahead of a Bills news conference and quickly spread on social media Wednesday. And then she described Diggs as someone who is, quote, going to do what he wants to do, adding, quote, he'll look in my face and say, F you. That's how he treats everybody. Glab apologized for the comments Wednesday night and explained the context. It uh, doesn't seem like Diggs uh, accepted the apology or whatever. And uh, so, game, big deal, not a big deal of this whole thing. Yeah, I think it's, it seems like a big deal just because it seems like this is a key season for the Buffalo Bills. They 
have been so close in years past. They made it to an AFC Championship game. They were 13 seconds away from making it to another AFC Championship game and denying the Chiefs the opportunity to play in that game. They haven't been able to get over that hump. And there was something that happened. Obviously, it's okay now, but something that was going on between Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, nobody ever really got to the bottom of it this offseason. They go out, they lose week one, so really anything that happens that's going to be drawing negative attention to this team, that's not a good thing. I think this is a big deal that they have uh, that they have to deal with this right now as something that, you know, instead of getting ready for week two, trying to even the record at one and one, it's another distraction that now the Buffalo Bills have to deal with in what to me is a pretty crucial season for them. Stefan Diggs doesn't, how do I put this? Unlike Maddie, like he doesn't, he's not coming across the best to me here (laughs) with what's happened here in his career. Like the way that he was at the end of things there in Minnesota. And now we're seeing it, the discontent with Buffalo. And on one hand, I'm like, buddy, what do you want? I mean, you're on a Super Bowl contending team. You're on an excellent team. And apparently you have issues with your quarterback. And yes, there's frustrations with Josh Allen in terms of the interceptions, but also Josh Allen is the best of the best at times, right? The moments that he has, the athleticism that Josh Allen has. Stefan Diggs just feels like a guy who maybe has a little bit of a hard time, I don't know, being happy. That's what it's like starting to seem like. At some point, maybe it's not the organization, maybe it's, a, and he's an excellent top notch player, clearly. Now you hear this, and so she comes, she walks it back, and she says, Steph marches to the beat of his own drum. I love that about him. He has a playful relationship with our video department, so that's why I said he probably wouldn't say yes to me grabbing him for an interview, but also she kind of said what she said, and I have a tendency to think that the reason she said that is because maybe he's not so nice to the media behind the scenes and the media that covers that team. And so maybe she didn't mean to put that out there to the world, but I'm guessing there's some reality to that. You know, we know how we all talk behind the scenes about Mm -hmm. interactions with some of these players and some of them are a lot nicer than others. And it just is starting to feel like to me that maybe he's not the nicest dude. Maybe the comments are hurtful, but Maybe they're also true. There's got to be some element of truth to it, right? I mean, she says she was joking. She walked it back. I'm reading between the lines. Just saying. I I don't know if I have the best. Now, hell of a football player. It just just seems like he might be a little bit problematic behind the scenes. Ah, that's sad for the Mills. Uh, So we've seen a (laughs) bunch of... I mean, I mean, in fairness, James, Uh, I don't... I I mean, is it affecting things on the field? Uh, Oh, might be. That's was, a lot of turnovers. Uh, so. Yeah, he so. was, but he was also the one pumping Josh Allen up, and they looked okay. They looked okay in that game. Right. The yeah, relationship, sure. I mean. Yeah, well, yeah, so I, far. I don't think they looked very good, but uh, that's when, fine. Well, the, the results on the field Again, story. so sad. My heart goes out <laughs> to the Bills for being bad. Uh, so we've seen a number of players throw for 5,000 yards. Mahomes, Herbert, uh, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. But Dan Marino thinks he can surpass that. Uh, on the This Is Football podcast, Marino said, quote, yes, we throw for 6,000 yards. Defense is in the middle of my career, and then towards the end, they got a little more complex, and guys do a lot more things now as far as blitzing and changing personnel and all that than I did earlier in my career. Later in my career, I had to deal with it. It would be a lot of fun, so that's why we're trying to unretire here. 
So uh, I can come back and throw over 6,000 yards, clearly joking a little bit, but it's Dolphins, so I have to ask uh, Amber. Uh, Marino thinks he can throw for 6,000 yards in this uh, in, in this NFL. Big deal, not a big deal. Okay, 20-something Dan Marino, if you throw him to this NFL, I, I absolutely agree he can do that because he has no idea what it's like being able to air it out in the era of protecting the quarterback. And so you know what it looked like in the era that they weren't protecting the quarterback. You just rattled off his stats and throwing for over 5,000 yards in seasons. I mean, Dan Marino was the best of the best. And that was then. This is the past happy league now where you can't breathe on a quarterback. So yes, prime Dan Marino, maybe he could get to 6,000 yards in this (laughs) league. I won't negate it completely. However, 62-year-old Dan Marino, which is what I think he was implying Lying? That's that's not that's not probably happening, Dan. Sorry. I, I believe sorry, he buddy. also said, "I might as well say it because I don't have to go back it up." So yeah, why not? Let's right. go ahead and say not? I can do it. You know, it's more fun to say that he could. Look, Dan Marino I mean, he threw had for over five thousand in eighty four. He did, and now you have the extra game. So yeah, right. you know, seventeen versus sixteen. That was 16 games that he was actually, that he played. He played a full season that season. He played in all 16, 5,084 yards, 48 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. I miss that guy. <laughs> I mean, that was that was certainly an era where 3,000 yards was considered a really good year. Like, you got 3,000 yards, people are going, ooh, yeah, that's really good. 6,000 just seems like so many yards. He, Although, he, if he was on this Dolphins team with those two weapons in Hill and Waddle. Yeah. He threw Damn. for over 4,000 five times. No, six times in his NFL career. Yeah, six times in his NFL career. I mean, just just ridiculous. That was then when 3,000 was the mark. Yeah, like 3,000 was the mark, and you could, I mean, you could do things to receivers that you can't even speak about now. And every healthy season, that man was over 3,000. So there you go. Big deal. I, I mean, Big I hear. Deal, James. I hear. I hear the Jets are looking for a quarterback, so they might want to call Dan. If he can throw <laughs> for sixty-two-year-old Dan Marino. No, he's ours. Yeah. All right. One he's more, ours. New York. Get away. One more real quick one. This is specifically for Gabe. Uh, the PWI five hundred came out. Oh, today. sure. And Seth freaking Rollins is number one on the PWI 500. Big deal, not a big deal. Yeah, no, it's definitely a big deal. I mean, three members of the Shield being one, two, three on that list. The what? I mean, that's like the most successful faction of all time, right? The who? You have Seth at one, Roman at two, John Moxley at three. That's, I mean, that's that's a heck of a list, James. That's an unbelievable list. Pretty cool that the Shield's up there. Yeah, exactly. That's 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 the first thing I noticed. Pretty neat. Orange Cassidy and eight turn in the, the top ball 10? in real sports. The Vikings just turned the ball <laughs> over Cody again. At 10. Yep. The, in, in actual sports, in unscripted sports, well, at least we think. Uh, the Vikings. <laughs> I'm just joking, guys. That was the NFL campaign. The whole you can't make this up. The uh, the uh, yeah the Vikings just turned the ball over to the Eagles. Wait, again. Is that so the they're third just to get turnover in this game, in this game I, already? Yes. Oh uh, no, because well, because you're talking about the Eagles fumbled. Did they ended up recovering their own? Fumble. I, I was only talking about Jalen Hurts' interception. Oh, yes, Jalen Hurts' interception. I forgot about that. Plus the two fumbles. Wow, yeah. Ugliness. First and there was a point where, the Eagle, where they lost the ball and then they got it back. Wow. Sloppy, sloppy game. Short week coming off of week one when already early in the season we're seeing what feels like more preseason games here early on. So these teams maybe not so ready uh, for the football game. We're going to continue to keep you updated on Vikings Eagles. Plus coming up next. If Dame Dollar doesn't go to Miami, then where will he end up? What is this nonsense? What do you mean if he doesn't go to Miami, James? Get this off my screen. Feels like it's day 1047 of the Damian Lillard watch. If you're a Miami Heat fan, 
there has been very little movement on the Damian Lillard front. However, there's been a slight development this week, and I don't know if you saw this, Gabe. Gabe Knights will fill in tonight for Ian Fitzsimmons on Amber and Ian. Damian Lillard has put it out into the universe, or so it seems, according to reports, that he would only report to training camp in Miami. So he is once again, through reports again, this is coming from reports, essentially making the point that he only wants to go to Miami. Something that Adam Silver is not happy about when these players, they demand a trade and they demand a trade to a specific destination. We heard Adam Silver sent out a very strongly worded, or the league did, a very strongly worded uh, memo on the situation with Damon Lillard. Obviously, James Harden ends up doing the same thing. We've seen it time and again, but the league is trying to crack down on things now. Here's Adam Silver, the NBA commissioner, from his latest press conference on players demanding trades. In terms of trade demands, of course, don't like them. As a league, want players and teams to honor their contracts. And I'm watching both the situation in Portland and Philadelphia and hope, hope they get worked out to the satisfaction of everyone before the season starts. And I'm glad that things seem to have settled down somewhat, at least in terms of public discourse. Well, things have settled down because we haven't been talking about it because there's been no movement on it. However, like I said, the athletic reporting that Damian Lillard will report to only two training camps, Portland's or Miami's, and nobody else's. And what that is, is Dame telling the world, there's one place I want to go, and there's only one place I'm going to play. I wonder how Portland ends up playing this out, because clearly Miami's going to want to use this to their advantage and not have to give up as much in a trade package versus, hey, what if the 76ers get involved or the Pelicans get involved or some of these other teams that could be interested in him get involved? So I don't know what Portland does. Does Portland just decide, hey, we're not getting what we want from him. You're staying right here. I guess that's their only recourse that they can take right now, especially if he's, okay, I'll show up in Portland. And my guess is right now, until the Trailblazers get what they think is a fair deal for Dame, they're not going to move him. They're not going to move him for anything less than what they think is a fair deal. He did make it clear, or at least it seems, again, the athletic reporting this, uh, it does seem to be clear that he would be willing to show up to training camp in Portland. Does that mean he would end up playing in the season for Portland? Who knows? He's obviously still in some place trying to maintain some goodwill for the team that he's been with for the last over decade. And so on the .com today on ESPN+, Plus, there's an article from our NBA insiders exploring possibilities for Damon Lillard. Four trade possibilities. The first one that they start out with on ESPN Plus is the Miami trade. And the Miami Heat, the trade would look something like Damian Lillard goes to Miami. Uh, Also, a a couple other pieces in this deal because you're going to have to make the money work. But basically, Portland, the key piece is that they get back Tyler Hero. Uh, Hamiak Hakquez Jr., which was the first-round draft pick from Miami this season. Uh, Nikola Jokic. I mean, you throw Kyle Lowry into that. That's a, that's a money thing, right? But really, it's Tyler Hero and it's picks. And that's really mm-hmm. what is important here for the trade with the Miami Heat. They have first-round picks in 2027 and 2029. And then the pick swaps, the swaps are never nearly as attractive. A Philadelphia 76ers trade is also floated here on ESPN+. Plus. So that's going to be the Portland getting in return Tyrese Maxey. 
which there's always a conversation. Is Maxi more attractive of a piece than Tyler Hero? Some people say yes. They're also going to get a lot of other pieces to make the money work, plus a 2028 and 2030 first round picks. Those would come from the Los Angeles Clippers, though, because this is a three-team deal where the Clippers have to send James Harden or where the 76ers have to send James Harden Tobias Harris to the Clippers in order to get those picks to make it work. And this, of course, is all a problem because now you have to involve a third team to make any of this work to even get the picks to trade to Portland because Portland wants the picks. (laughs) Yeah, it's... I mean, that one makes the most sense to me because it makes everybody happy, right? I'm, I'm surprised Dame would not be willing to play for the Philadelphia 76ers. I would think I mean, he's that, making it clear. Oh, he's yeah. doubling down. But I mean, playing alongside the league MVP, that doesn't sound like that doesn't sound like a good time to him. I mean, it, it seems like it would be a pretty good fit. Plus, I mean, Philly would be into it because they would be able to find a way to unload their James Harden problem while replacing him with, you know, a really really good player. That that's the one that makes the most sense to me if you can't send him to Miami. But again, if Dame is going to hold firm that that's the only place that he wants to go. The precedent's been set in the NBA. These guys can kind of dictate where they want to go. We saw we saw it happen in New Orleans when Anthony Davis decided he wanted to be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers and join up with LeBron out west. This is this is no different than that. Than somebody just deciding, hey, this is where I want to go. Now it's on you to make it happen. But it's also up to the Heat. If they really want them, they got to play ball a little bit, I think, with Portland because I don't think the Trailblazers are moving. See, I don't think that this deal from the 76ers floated as is is any better, frankly, than the deal from Miami. I mean, again, there's a lot of other pieces in that deal that I didn't go through, but those aren't what's important here. I mean, basically, I would argue, and and yes, this is the Heat fan in me, but I would argue Tyler Hero and Tyrese Maxey, not that far apart. Very similar player, 20 points per game, very young players, guards, right? Does Portland need any more guards? I mean, we can have that conversation. So I'm not really sure Maxey is any more attractive to Portland than Tyler Hero is to Portland. It's the picks. And the picks are the same the picks are a wash the picks are two first rounders and in this deal the picks from the Sixers because they're the Clippers picks would be even later but now you're hoping that those picks that the Clippers are worse in those years than the Heat and people will tell me well the Heat are going to be too good because you're training Damian Lillard there Damian Lillard is what 33 34 years old and so you're talking about picks in 2029 from the Heat? I mean, we're... The- wait, 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 wait. What are you trying to do here as a Heat fan? You're trying to be like, oh, I mean, he's old. I mean, he really shouldn't, we shouldn't have to give well, up I- that much for Dame Lillard. I mean, look well, how old he is. He's 33. He's just so old. No, I'm just we saying those picks. I'm just saying those picks. We're not. To, we're talking about 2027 and 2029. I mean, yeah. I have no idea where the Heat are going to be in those years, but it ain't going to be Damian Lillard's prime. I know that. Yeah, it's... It- I mean, I think you kind of, I mean, you just rely. I mean, those Clippers picks, I think, yeah, were 28 and 30. They were in the back half of this decade as well. Right. And who knows what the Clippers are going to be like, is my, is my point. There's yeah. so much player movement in the NBA. Who knows what anybody's going to look like by 2030. So right. it, 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 I guess it depends upon which player you would prefer more, depending upon those trades over on .com. She There's wants, this she idea. Wants, she this wants idea. Uh, to trade all the bad picks. To Portland, all the bad. No, players you pipe down over there, James. Cut off his microphone. Or... We're going to the break. <laughs> Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology 
marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.